Hi everyone, this is UCL Careers Podcast, Future Talk, and my name is Amy Lorenko, Senior Careers Consultant at UCL. On this podcast, which is powered by UCL Minds, we will be talking with professionals in different sectors about their career journeys and insights in relation to employability topics. This series is packed with guests who are changemakers and innovators in their respective industries and was created by the Engineering Careers team to help our students and graduates find out more about various professional experiences. Each episode will have a guest who will share their professional insights and provide valuable information relating to careers. The episodes will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud on a weekly basis. On today's episode, I'm so pleased to be able to introduce our guest, Rodrigo Suarez Barrera. He is a hydropower engineer at Multiconsult Group, a leading firm of consulting engineers with a head office in Norway. He's been with the company since 2018 and collaborated with more than 29 hydropower projects and proposals with responsibilities ranging from project management to due diligence and design of hydropower projects in various stages of engineering. His work has allowed him to manage a multidisciplinary team in the UK, Norway, Pakistan and Malawi. He has a BN in civil engineering and a Master of Science in hydropower development and hydropower engineering. So welcome to the podcast, Rodrigo, and thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you, Amy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. And you are our second guest on the podcast, which is just amazing. Oh, that's an honor. It's, it's, it's really an honor. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, my first question, we've got a few questions for you today, is that you worked as a, a design engineer alongside your studies for both your undergrad and postgraduate degrees. How did this work experience help inform your long-term career plans and decision to pursue hydropower engineering? So as, as you know from, from my CV and, my, and the description that you read from the beginning, I'm, I'm originally from Venezuela. And Venezuela, it's a, it's a relevant country when you talk about hydropower. For many, many years, we have the biggest hydropower plant in the world. Um, and I come from a family of hydraulic engineers. Thing is that my family never was involved with hydropower because I live in the north of the country, hydropower is all, all the way on the south part of the country. So even in university, I never pay too much attention to hydropower. Every time the professor starts speaking about it, I just say like, yeah, well, I, I will never use this in my, in my professional life. So why should I bother? Uh, but then life came around and uh, because of a difficult political situation in my country, I, have, I, have, I was forced to move to Chile. And the first company where I worked with, they were specialists in hydropower. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely regretted that I didn't pay attention to all those lectures and classes in my university. Uh, at the time, they had the biggest hydropower plan construction on the country. And uh, I just had to learn from scratch. I just had to get involved with everything from the beginning. I didn't even knew the terms they were using, referring to the different parts of the power plants and so on. But I felt so much in love with this uh, engineering field, with the whole concept of a power plant of transforming the water into electricity. Um, so if you ask me about what is the, how the work experience define my professional expertise, I will say 
hundred percent. I mean, as I say, I, I was, I was, I thought that I was going to end up doing a different kind of hydraulic projects. And now I just realized that that was not what I liked. I liked, I, and I, I realized that just because I started working. So I say that I say that's the most important part of my professional life, without a doubt. Fantastic. So it sounds like you had a real um, change there from in case studying something and thinking, oh, okay, that's not for me, and then actually getting experience of it um, completely changed your your mind. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, again, my, my family was a hydraulic hydraulic family. My dad is a hydraulic engineer. My brother is a hydraulic engineer. So I thought, I'd, you know, I will just carry on with the family business, doing what they do and everything. I never thought that I was going to end up in, in what I'm doing right now, but I love it. That's fantastic. And, and so how did you end up in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a long story, but let's say that in, in Chile, I, I moved to Chile when it was the boom of hydropower, uh, construction of power plants, and they were discovering all this new form of energy and they were putting everywhere in the country. But there was also a big backlash because most of these projects were not considering the environmental and social issues of each, of each site. So uh, a campaign started in the country to try to stop so many projects to be developed in the wrong way. And at the end, um, hydropower got like a bad name in Chile to the point that one time I had an accident and I need some, you know, some, uh, when you say like treatment, to recover and everything. And I had this massage and I, and, and, and the person who was doing them, the, he, he asked me like, what do you do for a living? No, I'm a hydropower engineer. And you can note how the pressure just went up, you know, like, ah, I don't like this guy. So of course, uh, that bad propaganda for uh, to hydropower uh, resulted in a lot of projects being halted and I didn't want to, to do anything else. So I took the opportunity to move to Norway at that time. I was lucky enough to be accepted there in Norway. And I don't know if, if your students or, or the listeners of the podcast know, but Norway one of the countries with the highest percentage of hydropower, uh, hydropower in the world, actually. Um, so I was very lucky to end up in Norway for a couple of years. And then a Norwegian company contacted me and they told me, do you want to come work with us? And I say, of course I want to. Uh, the only problem is I don't, I don't speak a lot of Norwegian. And they say, no problem, come to, the, to our office in the UK. Uh, and as you can see, I'm not an expert in English either, but at least I speak it better than I speak Norwegian. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Wow, that, that's an amazing story. Uh, really interesting. And I had no idea about the backlash on hydropower. From my mind, I thought it was like more of a sustainable energy source. So, yeah, surprising. Yeah, it's it's just that uh, in, in Latin America, we are not very used to, to take environmental and social consequence of projects tr- really seriously. 
you have been doing that very well here in Europe, in, in the UK, Norway, and the rest of Europe for a long time. But that's just a trend that it's starting in, in Latin America. And uh, I, I can say that many projects, they just did whatever they wanted and they did it really badly. So the, the, the final consequence was very bad for the environment. And that was very, that was noticed by the population and with the social media and everything that just went crazy everywhere. So it is, it is a good uh, alternative to renewable energies, hydropower, but when it's, when it's done with the environment in mind, which is what we try to do in, in multi-consult at least. Amazing. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, thank you for educating me. Do, do we have any hydropower in the UK? There is a lot of hydropower in the north in Scotland. And you have one of the biggest uh, power plants in Wales, actually. Um, in Wales, there is, a, there is a very interesting one because it's normally in hydropower, you need, uh, let's say, uh, a difference in elevation in the water. Basically, you need a waterfall. And normally you take the water falling from that waterfall to move a turbine. But in Wales, what they have done is that they put two lakes, one below each other. And when they need electricity, they just let the water from the upper lake flow to the lower lake, moving a turbine. And when they don't need the energy, when there is excess of energy, they pump the water from the lower lake back up to the upper lake. So it's just like a battery. Whenever you need, you just turn you just turn whatever lake you need, and that's it. It's very, very clever. Wow, that is clever. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like I've learned so much already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my second question is, did you have any non-engineering or technical work experience or skills which you feel have proved valuable in your current work? Um, from, from the non-engineering point of view, uh, since I was a kid, I loved taking photography before, before Instagram or anything like that. Um, I, I, I saw my dad using his film camera with all these knobs and cranks and things that you need to operate to take a proper photography. And I just was very curious about that. And I became a photographer while I was uh, in university, um, which I never planned to become like a professional photographer, but it, it happens just by accident. And nowadays, I think it's, it is one of the best things that I could do because when you go to a project, when you go to a site, um, you need, you, you, there is not a lot of opportunity to go into a, spe a specific construction site. So you have to make the most of, of, take the most advantage of every time you visit. And with photography, knowing, having this, let's say idea of photography, you, you know how to tell a story. You know, like, okay, I'm going to take a picture like this because it will show this, this and that. And the, and the people who are looking at the picture will understand it. Sometimes we, we have that uh, bad habit of just raising our cell phones, looking through the screen and just take the shot without a lot of thinking. So I will say photography for without a doubt. Um, 
also no non-technical non-technical let's say on is drawing uh as an engineer you communicate with drawings we are very bad using words as you can see and we tend to just take a piece of paper whatever we are just take a piece of paper a pen and just make us a, a quick drawing explaining things so knowing about the basics of drawing and perspective and everything it's it's very helpful um and finally i will say that coding uh learning how to code is of most important these days uh especially with, the, with the, how everything is moving to the digital world. The more you know how to code, the less work you will do and the less work, the, the, le the less errors you're going to make. Um, and me being as lazy as I can be, coding has been just uh, a miracle because you just code everything and every time you need something, you know that it's there, it's ready to go. So yeah, definitely. Fabulous. There's a really interesting mix of like the creative skills that you've learned through um, photography and drawing and then more like technical skills through through coding. Um, what sort of programming languages do you use in, on a daily basis in your work? Um, many people know how to use Excel. I mean, they know how to, to use the formulas in Excel and they know that if they they press this cell and they put a sign and so on, they will do some mathematical functions and that's it. But Excel, on the back of Excel, there is a, a, a programming language called VBA, Visual Basic for Applications. And Visual Basic for Application, it's an evolution of a language that I used to, I used to play with when I was uh, a kid called Quick Basic. Um, so I, I, I will definitely encourage anyone in not even engineering anyone who uses excel how to learn visual basic is really easy to learn really really easy to learn and it's so powerful that you cannot imagine what you can do with it and these days i'm doing the transition and i feel old because uh again i i was one of those cranky old guys say no i don't need this I, I'm, I'm very good with basic and all that but uh, i'm learning python uh and python is just a miracle it's it's incredible what you can do with python in two lines of code um so i'm i'm so impressed with it that i'm even started to doubt about excel i thought excel was like the biggest best invention ever and now i see it like oh i could do this faster in python so i will say those two for, for to start with hmm Fabulous. And then, um, so for, for both VBA and Python, have you been sort of teaching yourself? Uh, how would you encourage people to learn? Um, VBA, it's, it's really simple to learn by yourself. I mean, there are many, many resources on YouTube and many, many websites that's, that teach you step-by-step step how to start from scratch. Um, and I will, I will say the same with Python. With Python, I paid like... Uh, 12 pounds on Udemy. It's, it's very cheap to learn. And there are very good uh, lectures and teachers there that could teach you the basic. But uh, as any coding language, you need to have a project in mind 
to properly learn it because you know all the basics, you know how this works, you know that works, but until you are not sit down and doing something that you like, like, okay, it's when you start facing challenges and you start asking yourself, okay, maybe I should learn this a little bit more and so on. So, but definitely both of them can be learned by yourself, no problem. Wow, yeah, so you just need like something that you can uh, use to put it into practice, I guess. Exactly. You just need a project that uh, that you feel like you you feel passionate about. So you say, okay, I will do this in just for fun. Absolutely. Um, so my next question is kind of related to the pandemic and the current uh, situation. So what, what do you think students and recent graduates can be doing now when the at the time where the job market is is quite challenging? It's it's not easy. It's not easy because everyone is in a difficult position right now. And and with the whole pandemic and the first lockdown came by, um, I remember that I was quite shocked. Even though even though having come from a country with a lot of political instability, let's say that I'm a little bit uh, used to crisis, this hit in another complete level that I was uh, also quite you know, uh, worried about what was going to happen. And I remember that long, long time ago, I read that in, in the previous crisis, worldwide crisis, which, which, which was the 2008 one, the Australian government, they made it easy to the people who were unemployed to train themselves. Um, they, I, I don't remember if there, there was incentives or, but they help people to gain new skills during the, the crisis. And that, as far as I know, pay, paid off later when everything came back to normal. So I, I will say that just take a step back, think what, especially to the students and, and graduates, think what is let's say trending right now in the job market for the job that you're trying to get and just take the opportunity right now and try to get yourself new skills. Um, I did it with Python and I, I cannot tell you how, how easy has made my life, you know, in, in, in the office and everything with the projects that we are working with. So that that will be my my main thing just try to learn new skills and try to think what the employers are looking for and try to get a notion of that and in 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 the field where i'm working with which is civil engineering everything is moving towards what it's called bim uh, building information modeling which is basically taking the project and building it in 3d and just looking at everything in 3D. That's what it's right now trending. And if your students or any listener is not familiar with that, I will say try to get to because that's the future right now. I really so building information modeling. Is it is it like CAD or something like that? Or is it like the next evolution of that? It's it's the next evolution of that, and again, as an old cranky guy that I am, I say, "No, oh, I'm with CAD. I'm I'm good enough. I do all my designs in CAD." But 
it, what you see right now, it's companies moving towards that direction to have the 3D model. Um, just as an example, many Norwegian construction companies, now they don't have drawings. They just have the guys on site with an iPad and the 3D, the 3D model of what they are doing in the iPad and just building like that. So they, don't, they go paperless, basically. And of course, Norway, it's, uh, it's always in adopting the new technologies and everything, but it, it gives you a hint of what it's going to happen little by little to the rest of the countries. So that's the future. Great. Thank you. That's such good advice in terms of kind of upskilling yourself during that during this time and kind of learning new things. Um, it's been a real theme through what we've talked about so far. Um, so my next question is uh, around kind of your international career, because obviously, as you mentioned, you've, you've worked in Venezuela, Chile, um, Norway, UK. It's been quite an international uh, um, career for you. Um, and um, through your current role, I think you've managed multidisciplinary teams in, in the UK, Norway, Pakistan and Malawi as well. So what have been some of the benefits that you found to working with a global team? And what challenges have you encountered professionally and overcome due to COVID in relation to this? Well, one of the benefits, unexpected benefits of, of working with an international team, especially based in different locations around the world, was that to, to, to take advantage of the time difference. Um, in a specific project, we have this guy working in Pakistan with us. Um, and I, I don't remember right now, but there are several hours difference with Pakistan. So we just, by the end of the day or during the day, we just gave, gave him a list of tasks. And when he was awake, we were sleeping. So that was unexpectedly efficient that when we wake up and we went to the office and after having our coffee or whatever, we just opened the email and this guy was already, I don't know, almost ready with all the tasks. And that it's it's really it's it's really nice just to just to be able just because in your head you think, okay, I'm going to give him this and I will wait till he has it. But he did it all when you were sleeping. So it was very efficient to move that way. So yeah, the use of time difference is one of them. Um the the other benefit is that you need to get creative on how you're going to communicate your ideas. Uh, many of these people don't speak your own language. Well, I don't speak your native language, for instance. So sometimes we are badly used to whatever we say is interpreted in the right way straight away. And with people who are known native uh, speakers, you have to learn other ways to explain it, and you have to be creative in that in that in that way. Um, that that has been really interesting, actually, because it, it it puts you it puts you in a in a situation at first where you don't know what to do, but then you start like thinking and coming with ideas and okay and and and, and when when the final product is there and you and you know that you did a good job communicating that's one of the best feelings ever um and another benefit is that it makes you it forces you to be flexible uh and what i mean with this is that you have different cultures 
working in the same project. And sometimes the people from Malawi have a different way to do things than the people from the UK or the people from Ecuador or whatever. So if you are really stiff and, 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 and you are one of these people who say things should be done this, this way and only this way, you're going to have a terrible time. Um, you have to adapt. You have to adapt to, to the ways and you have to, to learn tricks like, okay, I know that the people from Malawi likes this way of working and they like that way of working. So you have to be very flexible with that. And when you adapt to that, you're basically ready for whatever comes to you. That's, it's, it's very nice to feel. It's a very nice sensation. Um, with, the, with the COVID, the challenges have been massive. Uh, civil engineering is one of those professions where you have to be on site from time to time. And being on site is just not because um, you need to. It's not because it's in the contract. It's because it actually helps you to understand the project, the, the challenges and all that. So not being able to travel to a, to a place and understand what's happening is a massive challenge right now. We, at the moment, we're doing a project in Kenya and we haven't been able to visit the site because of this, this reason. And the challenges have been massive. We have we have a local uh, a local staff there trying to show you show us with pictures and trying to explain how it works and but it's never the same as being there and just understand oh, okay this is like this and this is like that you know so that has been a major challenge. Another one is that everything and I think we we all of us here in the UK feel the same way. Everything is smooth, really slow at the moment. Projects are slow, clients are slow, decision makings are very slow because of the uncertainty of what is going to happen and so on. So that plus the restrictions and everything has been a massive challenge. But uh, with the vaccine and everything, we hope that everything gets better quite soon. So let's see, crossing fingers. Absolutely. Fingers firmly crossed on that one. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can see like light at the end of the tunnel. It's really interesting what you were saying though about um, the, the, the positives and the benefits. I, I'd never thought about like taking advantage of the time zone difference. Of course you can, you know, get more done because you're nearly working 24 hours a day. Like, well, one team is sleeping, the other one's awake doing the work and then you switch over type thing that's that's amazing yeah really interesting and um I think what you're saying about being flexible is, is really important isn't it? it's like having that growth mindset that you're always learning and learning about ways people work and different cultures and ways to communicate as well you're saying using creativity yeah really fascinating stuff no, it's a, um, it, 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 it's so, amazing. It's 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 truly amazing, and 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 you get to know these people because you are going to work with them in projects that it, are going to last for years, probably. So you get to know them quite well, and and at the end, they, they start to be when the project starts, you are their colleagues, but by the end, you are their friends, and and that's something amazing because sometimes at the beginning we're a, a little bit reluctant to get out of our comfort zone so when you visit a new place and and they do something that you are not used to it you you feel uncomfortable you say no 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 I'm, 
I'm not going to dance uh, to open the, the project or whatever. But after a while, uh, after you understand their way and, and why they do it, it's, it's just very, very, very nice to do. It's, yeah. Is that a real thing? Do people dance to open a project? <laughs> you know that sometimes there are different, let's say there are different uh, ceremonies uh, in different countries. So in Latin America, it's uh, when they finish a building, for instance, in Venezuela, when they finish a building, they put a flag on top, you know, like, yes, we did it. You know, we reached the, the top floor. Uh, in Chile, they tend to put like a plant, uh, if my memory it's, it's, it, it still remember, they put like a plant with a flag or something. And, and it's, it's an occasion of celebration every time. So every time you, you finish anything, it's just an excuse to celebrate. So sometimes they dance, sometimes they do other things which are nice. Uh, but yeah, the, the, definitely the dancing is there. <laughs> I love that. Sounds like a big party every time you finish a project. <laughs> it's we make excuse to party. That's that's the real deal. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> um, so my next couple of questions are about networking. Um, what would you say to students and graduates who have hesitancy when it comes to networking events or through LinkedIn? And how has your experience been of proactively creating connections in the industry for yourself or, or having to reach or having others people reach out to you? Um, well, obviously, obviously, networking on LinkedIn, it's, it's not, a, not ideal. Uh, because part of the networking is to get to know the other people. I mean, when, when, when you go out and you meet new people, you are not just meeting them because of the sake of it. You really want to establish a relationship with them. You want to, to learn from them. You, you want, let's say, a, a mutually beneficial relationship with them. And, and that's sometimes you can get a feeling of how the other person how is the other person when you see it face to face it's the easiest way to do it so it's it's a challenge to it to do it in in linkedin it's it's not impossible but it's challenge um i was uh, just a couple of weeks ago i was speaking with a friend who is an expert in marketing and and she was telling me that there is this seven contact rule on linkedin which I've never heard about, which is that is basically whenever you want someone to remember you, you need to have at least seven contacts with that people, with that person. Um, I, ha I haven't, I haven't still put it in practice, but apparently this is something marketing-wise that they use a lot. Um, Nevertheless, saying that it's a challenge and saying that it's not ideal is just LinkedIn. It's just a tool like any other one. Um, during the pandemic, of course, during the lockdown, we I, I, I personally have had a lot more time to be on LinkedIn and just being checking what, what the rest of the people is doing. And one of the things that accidentally I started doing is just posting things that I found interesting about my field about civil engineering um and i have had a 
very good reception of those of, of those posts, accidental posts again that I've done, um, and that has resulted in professionals reaching me for let's say let's collaborate, let's work together. We have this product. You put a video about this. We have a product that it just stops this problem and and so on. So. The network is there, the people is there. Um, yes, it's a challenge, but still it's not impossible. And you even can get some really good benefits, professional benefits from it. Um, we are right now in the process of exploring uh, a, new a new partnership with, with some people that I met on LinkedIn. Um, so it, the possibilities are there. It's more difficult, but you can do it. So yeah, that's that's basically that's basically what I think about about the the, the networking on LinkedIn. It's it's challenging, but it's not impossible. Fabulous. Um, I love that. It's seven contacts. That seems quite a lot. But I suppose if you were to um you might have messaged someone you might post something on your like home feed a couple of times or like repost articles it's not necessarily seven times directly contacting that person is it it's more like seven times they might see your your posts on their feed or whatever yeah exactly it's not i'm not encouraging anyone to just start start messaging like a crazy like uh, someone like hey 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 seven times 14 times or whatever <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm, I'm guessing that it's seven different contexts, uh, different ways of contacting you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and when you were sharing um, those posts on your LinkedIn, were they things that you were writing yourself, like articles you um, created yourself or more like sharing thing, other things that you'd read, like existing articles or videos or whatever? It's been a mix. Um, I started doing things by my own, things in my, my own time that I... I was just curious about, and I thought that maybe someone else find it useful. Who knows? Um, and then, of course, with the, with the with all the time that we have had during the lockdown and everything, um, I've been looking, watching videos, pictures, and things that I found interesting. And at the same time, there has been some uh, events and in the world that has regarding hydropower, civil engineering, natural events, so on, that I found interesting. So it's just a matter of just taking those videos, those pictures, putting it on my, let's say, my wall. I don't know if that's the correct term in LinkedIn, but, and, and just giving the right credits and writing something that caught my attention. Um, not, not so long ago, there was... Um, a massive flood event in India caused by a glacier basically broken, breaking breaking up and just releasing a lot of water in, in very little time. And I just posted there and I just say, okay, this is a glof. It's it's like the ten, ter, technical term. Uh, and you can see here that it's, it's happening because of this and this and that. And I don't know how many views that video had and how many comments, but it's, it was crazy. It was like 20,000 views and, and hundreds of comments. And so something as simple as that, as you're just taking a video, giving your point of view about the video and just 
living there just for the rest of the people to watch it can have a lot of benefits professionally later for you. Fabulous. So um, when you're saying it had all those views, that was like after you post it, like it didn't have the views before. And since you posted it, more people saw it type of thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I I took I took the video from a newspaper that I was reading, and I I, I just posted on on LinkedIn, and the LinkedIn gives you all these analytics and things, and I just thought that it was going to be seen by my friends and colleagues, and that's it, my ten people tops. But somehow people in France uh, took it really seriously, and they started sharing it. People in Paris, in then in Spain, and I. I when I was aware, there was like 20,000 people watching the video <laughs> and some of them contacted me because, uh, oh, so your company does this kind of analysis. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we do. Actually, we do. But that wasn't the the the, the goal of the video. <laughs> yes, of course. Wow. So you went viral pretty much. <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't call it like that, but uh, <laughs> I'm very happy with my numbers, let's say. <laughs> very good yeah very good um so when we're thinking about networking is there one thing in particular that you would encourage students and graduates to keep in mind when reaching out to their networks or gaining an industry knowledge from professionals um something something that i that i experienced myself uh since i graduated was that at the beginning i was very shy i was very let's say intimidated because sometimes you were networking with this i don't know director of this company a guy that has 40 plus years of experience and white hair and all that and sometimes you, you say like why would this guy want to have anything to do with me you know i'm, I'm just a, a student or i'm just graduating or whatever but i, I i've learned with time that not being shy can have massive, massive advantages. Um, and I started to learn that there is no there is no worse possible situation than just asking. And th there is no losses here. It's just winning, you know. So if you're asked a simple question, uh, or you or you actually show interest in what they are doing or what you could be doing with them and so on and you just communicate um, I think that's that can be that can be the, the best that you can do for your professional life um, so I will say that don't be shy that that's my message just ask around it doesn't matter if sometimes you feel like a fool asking around. It doesn't matter because at the end, those questions will, even though if it's, they are really obvious to you, sometimes they are not very obvious to the rest of the, of the people. So sometimes it actually opens door, like asking simple questions. And, and again, it's, it's showing interest and creativity. It's not just, I want, I, I, I wish I, I want to work with you and your company because I don't know, you are a Norwegian company and I like Norway. It's, it's, it's not just that it's, it's trying to actually show interest. I know that in Norway, they do this, this and that, and doing your homework, try to investigate a little bit, try to be creative with the information that you have and try 
and 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 with all those just try to ask questions and don't be shy so yeah i will say that don't be shy show interest and be creative that's it <laughs> you've got nothing to lose basically is what you're saying <laughs> you've got nothing okay. to lose and you have a lot to win so it's again the worst possible situation is the one that you are right now so it's and it's not bad at all so yeah thank you and um, my last question is um we've talked a lot about skills today um and you've brought up quite a few that are really important for your industry so we've talked about curiosity flexibility having that growth mindset lots of creativity and being resilient and as well as the technical skills like coding and, and drawing um aside from what we've already discussed or it could be one of these skills I've just mentioned <laughs> what do you think is like the number one sort of skill that's required to succeed in your industry mm, it's, a, it's a very tough question because it, I, I wouldn't say that it's just a single a single skill that will open all the doors for you but um I, I would say it's 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 a mixture of everything that we have talked about but if I have to name one well, let's say I have to name two. <laughs> I will say proactivity and creativity. Um, there is nothing worse than someone who is who doesn't want to do anything. That is just sitting there waiting for instructions. That's that's the worst that you can do professionally. If if you are one of those people who are curious, if you are one of those people who just look okay how does this work okay it's working like this how can i make it better or uh, you know curiosity and proactivity opens many many doors uh not only in engineering i think it's that this applies to most uh, fields and, but I, I i will say that proactivity and taking and taking a step back and looking at everything, how everything works. Sometimes when I, I have the chance to interview students because Multiconsult had this um, uh, program for students called MUST. Well, we take students and we put them to work in a real life project with real life clients. Um, so they are basically delivering a multi-console product it's not just like a mock-up or just like a, yeah you did nice you have a golden star it's actually like a real a real project for a real client and when i was interviewing students for this uh for this program let's say that i was i was interviewing a mechanical engineer they were so focused on the mechanical part and say, no, I can do this, and I can do this piece, and I can do this gear, and so on, so on, so on. But the, the students that really, let's say, hi were highlighted were the ones that just took like a, a step back and say, okay, I'm going to work in a renewable energy project. Uh, that means that I, I need to look at the environmental, I need to look at the social, I need to look at the hydrology, I need to look at this. Even if it was out of their expertise, they knew that they had to look at everything just to make it work. It was not only the mechanical part, it was everything. And, and I think that's a very valid, valid skill. 
sometimes we we tend to box ourselves too much in what we do and we and we we're really experts in turning the screw clockwise but they ask us to turn it counterclockwise we we don't know what to do so if i have to know name the best ones i will say proactivity cre creativity and take a step back and have a holistic view of what you're doing or what you're involved that is such a lovely neat summary thank you and um i think it really chimes with the kind of engineering education that we try to do at ucl and with our integrated engineering program for undergraduates a lot of our projects we try and um have like multidisciplinary teams of engineers so we get people from different disciplines working together and exactly for that reason to give that holistic view and so that students start to kind of think outside of their discipline and, and think about um, problems in in that way so yeah it's really really exciting to hear that that's kind of something that's really valued in industry because that's what we're trying to achieve no and, and I believe I believe that you're doing a great job because the many of the students that we interviewed for for this program that I was talking about were from UCL and and I remember that looking at the, the score sheet that we had for them, they were the highly scored one because of that, because they are proactive, they look at, they, they take a step back and look at everything. So that's really, really valuable. That's amazing to hear. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> that's what we like. Um, well, thank you, Rodrigo. Like that's a lovely way to end um, the uh, podcast uh, episode today. So thank you so much for joining our podcast and sharing your valuable insights. We really, really appreciate your time. No, thank you. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Um, I hope that my accent and my tongue twister words that sometimes I try to say wasn't a challenge, but uh, it was really lovely to be here. And, uh, and I hope I really hope to all your students and, and listeners that um, uh, they have a fantastic professional career. And if you, know, if, you need, if you need anything else, I mean, if you need help or whatever, my email is always open I'm at Multiconsult. So just reach me and I will do my best to help you. Thank you, Rodrigo. That's really generous. And yeah, you did great. So thank you so much. And thank you to all our audience for listening to this episode. Keep an eye out for more episodes, which will be released weekly on audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you, everyone.